You guys can go ahead and have a seat. How are we doing this morning? You guys feeling good? Guys, do you realize we've just completed our 10th week of school? You guys realize that? So turn to your neighbor, look deep into their eyes, and tell them, you are the real MVP. Do that right now. You're the real MVP. (laughs) It's been a little while since we've been here, but just in case you guys might have forgotten, my name is Jake Thurston. (laughs) And I'm Megan Swan. And we are both so honored to be able to serve you guys this year as student body chaplains. Mm -hmm. Truly has been. As you guys know, this week we've been focusing into the Apostles' Creed, and Dr. Lennox has been doing this series for a little over a year now. And on Monday, we specifically dove into how Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit and just all the theological implications of that and just how deep and just complex of a thing that is. And on Wednesday, Dr. Lennox gave this truly, I think, an incredibly applicable message of Mary's faith and how she had a tenacious faith, a faith that persevered. And he gave us this big challenge for us to have a faith as strong as Mary's. But if we, if we really step back for a second, there's a deeper issue behind all this. I mean, we, we as college students, we struggle with a lot, right? Like, I know I myself, I have plenty of issues to begin with. All of us have issues. But I think one of the biggest things is that we doubt a lot. Maybe that's we doubt ourselves and our capabilities, our worth. Maybe we doubt other people. Especially, we doubt God. We wrestle with what our faith means. Megan's going to start us off diving into this a little bit. If you guys have your Bibles with you, will you please open to Mark chapter 9. Jake and I are going to be tag-teaming on this message, so he'll be back in a little bit. But I'd like to share with you guys a passage that really isn't unusual in its content. You see, the setting of this is a community, a crowd, coming up to Christ. They're looking for answers, looking for healings, for miracles. And there's going to be one father in this story. What makes this so notable is that it's one story of many that show us the theme of doubt in Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 9, or sorry, Mark 9, I apologize. Mark chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 14. It's also up on screen. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has been robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But 
If you can do anything, take pity on us and help. If you can, says Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. And this is the word of God. I hope you guys see in this passage what I see. There's a father, and his child had been demon-possessed since childhood. Do you understand the implications of that? That it could have been many years that this father has been waiting for an answer. And not that he's been idle. No, I believe that this father is probably asking everyone for help. Jesus wasn't the first person. This crowd wasn't the first time. I suspect that he emptied his pocketbook to the priest, to the healers, but nothing was working. For years, he would find his prayers unanswered. He would find the medicines ineffective. And he would find that the healing pools and the tabernacle offerings seemed like such a waste. He would try for so long. And I suspect that in the middle of the night, he had that fear. I suspect he wouldn't leave his child alone because who knows what this, what this demon might do within him. Not only is he mute to the point that he couldn't even take care of himself, but he's literally on constant threat of it taking his life. This is what the father was suffering. I'm sure he was isolated from his community. How awkward would it have been to deal with this? How hard would it have been for his friends to stay with them? I don't blame the father that when he came to the disciples and it didn't work, that when he came to Jesus, that he wasn't so sure Jesus would be any different. Do you think it never considered, that the father never considered the fact that his son may never be healed? I don't blame him. I can't. Because I am the father in my own testimony. You see, in my life, it's my mom who has her own demon, and that's a disease called fibromyalgia. Which, if you understand what that means, she has pain that goes through her body and migraines on a daily basis. It doesn't stop. And it has completely interrupted her life. See, this is something that's been impacting, impacting my family for the past eight years. That's through my entire high school and college life. For my little sister, it's hard to even remember a time where my mom wasn't sick. 
She's no longer able to work like she did. She's no longer able to serve the church like she did. And we've tried everything. We've tried doctors. We've tried healing services. Again and again and again for years. And you can believe, you can trust me in the fact that when I say I had been wrestling with it, that I had been struggling, and I was constantly asking God, God, why? When my mom is such a good believer, when she's trying so hard to serve you, how does this serve your purpose? God, when is this going to end? God, why won't you heal her? Am I not doing enough? Is it my lack of faith? What do I not get? I'm wrestling through the scriptures. I don't get it. These past eight years, I've been a believer. I trust in God. I love him, and I'm obedient. I praise him for the fact that my mom's sickness has been able to be a witness to so many others. I praise him for the fact that that has grown me and my testimony and my compassion in preparing me for service. But you've got to believe that that doesn't stop me from questioning. And it's gotten to the point that it doesn't stop me from doubting that she may never be healed. This is my testimony, and it's not fun to say. And I don't share this for therapeutic reasons. I share this because even if you don't have the same experience, I believe that all of you have had doubt at one point or time. See, there are different levels of doubt, and it comes for different reasons. Maybe for you, it's something like mine, where there's an experience in your life, a death, a sickness, an abuse, an isolation from a community. Maybe it's something that happened at a certain point. Maybe it's always been there. But there are experiences in your life that cause you to question the truths that you hear. It makes it hard for you to believe that God would love you when you seem so devalued. It's hard to believe that God answers prayers. Maybe for them, it's hard to believe for yourself when it hasn't happened for you. For some of you, maybe your doubt doesn't even stem from an experience. You might have been doing great. You were serving, you were loving, it was a bright sunny day, and suddenly the thought comes to you, what if I'm wrong? What if this is all a farce? And that seed of doubt is planted in you. It makes it hard to believe anything that goes against those feelings or those thoughts that you've experienced. This is the doubt of the Father. This was my doubt, is my doubt that I still wrestle with. Where are you guys doubting? Even if you don't have it right now, I'm sure you have had it. And you will. So when you have this what do we do? You can't choose your circumstances. You can't choose the fact that doubt comes. It's there. And then you have these truths. You have this faith. 
And it's hard to believe it. It's hard to feel it. That's where you are. In doubt. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? How do we get those answers to the questions that we've always had or that we're wrestling with right now? How do we push through those reservations that are keeping us from going anywhere? How do we resolve our doubt? Well, how'd the Father do it? Because if we look into his passage and if we look into his story, we find that the Father did one thing. He only did one thing. One super easy, simple thing. He went to Jesus about it. Seriously? That's it? He went to Jesus about it? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, so what you're telling me is that in order for me to overcome my doubt, especially when I am doubting Jesus himself, I need to come to Jesus about it? That is the biggest cop-out of an answer I've ever heard. And it, it sure does sound like a cop-out answer, doesn't it? But hear me out. Hear me out here. Because in our society, when we are left unanswered, when we have all these questions and we're just wondering what in the world is going on, the biggest thing we want are answers. We want to understand why this is going on. And we just simply, you know, when we doubt, we're just getting so angry at God because we don't understand why. And what we find ourselves doing is that we're going to other sources. Maybe those are YouTube videos, and you're trying to find all these people who are trying to support your belief and trying to give you that extra, I don't know, that extra oomph with your intellectualness, lack of a better word. <laughs> or maybe you're, you're talking to your friends, and you're just trying to get into all these arguments, and you even just find yourself consistently internalizing your pain and your doubt, and you're getting nowhere. In fact, that's what happened with the father, right? Because he went, at the, well, at the beginning of the passage, we find that the disciples and the teachers of the law and these other people, they were just in this crowd, and there was this big argument going on. And I can imagine that this isn't the first time the father has seen this happen, because he's probably gone to tons of other people, and he's just wrestled with this thing, and he's trying to get their options. He's, as Megan was talking about, He's trying to understand, is this my fault? Is this other people's fault? Am I not doing something right? Even the disciples, who were Jesus' followers, weren't able to do anything. And what they ended up doing was they were left, well, he was left, confused. <laughs> you see, the point isn't to just give you an answer. The point is actually to point you to the one who is the answer. Because it's not about just putting a little band-aid on your gun wound right in the middle of your chest. That's not going to do it. That's what we think our answers will do. There's a healing process, and Jesus wants to walk us through that process. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, all we need to do Let's come to Jesus. But man, that's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? That's so much easier said than done. We've all been there. 
And in fact, the father himself in this story did the exact same thing. Because if we find out, check this out. As his son is rolling on the ground, thrashing around, convulsing, foaming at the mouth, he turns to Jesus and says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, if, surely this guy has heard about everything Jesus has done. Surely he's heard that he's healed the blind, that he's healed the mute and the deaf, and that he's fed the 5,000 and the 4,000. He's heard about Jesus. He's fully aware of him at this point. But yet that doesn't stop him from having these reservations. If you can do anything. But Jesus replies back with this extremely tweetable phrase. We should all post on our social media after this, by the way. Everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for him who believes. And the father just looks at him and exclaims, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. That is the biggest statement of faith I've ever heard. Because basically what this guy is saying, Jesus, I have wrestled so much with this. I have gone through so much pain. I have sought so many answers, and I've always been let down. I have never gotten anywhere. And now I'm here before you, and I hear all these other things that you are truly God and that you're able to do remarkable things. But even though I'm, I may be here questioning, not only do I trust that you can heal my son, but that you can heal my faith as well. This man didn't let any of his past hurts or any of his confusions about his understanding of God get in the way of him going to Jesus anyway. And this is what we need to do too. Because so often what we do is when we wrestle with these doubts and we try to find these answers and we internalize it and we think about it and we go onto these YouTube videos and think that there are hope to, to our faith and we just get so wrapped up in it emotionally, we just end up more frustrated, more confused, and more hurt than we were before. And when we get more confused and when we get more hurt, that just pulls us away from our faith in God even more. We get discouraged. But I'm here to tell you that faith is so much more than just an intellectual mindset of the right answers or a package of, the, of these emotions that make you feel like you're on cloud nine when everything's going great. Faith is so much more than that. You know, faith, faith means that although emotionally we may not feel God and intellectually things don't make sense, faith says that we're able to work our way to the altar, get on our knees, or even our face, and say, God, I trust you. Even though I do not understand why I'm up here at this very thing, I don't even, like, what is this thing? You know? Like, we wrestle with that. But I'm trusting you anyway. You see, instead of letting our doubts control our faith, we need to let our faith control our doubt. Of course, it's a process, isn't it? 
There may be some of you where you leave here today and things just still aren't resolved. Things just still aren't resolved. To be honest, to be entirely honest, there were points this week where I was doubting my faith in itself. You know, when you, I mean, when you prepare a message about doubt, you can't help but wonder the same questions that you're telling other people to question. You know? So even myself included, when we leave here today, we have to continue to seek God's face. We have to continue to pray. We have to continue to have those conversations with people that help us to go to Jesus. Maybe that's a roommate. Maybe that's a group of friends. Maybe a pastor or a professor you trust. Regardless of what it is we have to do, because we're all on different pages with this, we have to keep pushing forward. That process starts today. In fact, the band's going to make their way back up here. And we're going to open up the altar. Because I get the sense that in some way or another, there are a lot of us here who are struggling with some kind of doubt. Maybe that's doubt in your worth. Maybe that's doubt in your parents' marriage making it. Maybe that's doubt that you're going to find a spouse within the next two years of college before you graduate. Right? Maybe that's doubting the likelihood of you getting a job. Maybe you're doubting your major or your call to ministry or maybe you need to go to missions work or if you truly are capable of being a doctor when you graduate. Maybe you're just doubting your faith in general because your life is falling apart at the seams. And you're just wondering if God is even real. I'll be entirely honest. There are some of you here where you've wrestled with the thought that Jesus is even real since your childhood. You've spent your whole life seeking for these answers and you're trying to find your life's purpose, but you've just come short every time when there's still this gap in your heart that you won't fulfilled. Maybe today you're thinking about it and you just have this nudge. It's time to accept Jesus as your Savior. And that sounds weird because we're at a Christian university and people don't do that. No. If that's you, know that you are loved. (laughs) That we want to see you just have your life up to the fullest potential and nothing else in this world could fulfill you more than Jesus Christ. No matter how much it doesn't make sense and how much it goes against logic. Because Jesus is beyond our logic. So what we're going to do is, again, this, this altar is open for any of you just to come forward and to seek Jesus and to pray, God, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. In fact, we're also going to have some chaplains over here on the sides of the stage and up there in the balcony where if you just need to receive specific prayer, you can go to them and you can receive that. And there's one more challenge. Because there are some of you here where your faith is on fire and things couldn't be better. You've experienced God's grace just to the, just the infinite ability. So your challenge is if you see somebody comes up here and they're struggling with everything they believe in, you can come alongside them. Just get down on your knees with them and put your hand on their shoulder and just let them know that you're here to support them. That we're all in this together. I truly believe the best is yet to come for all of us, that we do have this living hope.
Will you seek him?